Well, just raise a hand if you've heard that story before. Um, okay, I thought everyone would have heard that story before. Some of you heard it about an hour ago, uh, an hour and 10 minutes ago, actually, at the last service um, that we have. And uh, some of you may have heard it last year at around this time. In the season of Epiphany, um, we seem to jump around to, uh, to have various different things. And so um, there I was saying, we're going to go through the gospel of Luke in the lectionary year. And then time and again, it's like, no, 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 but we need to get the story of the three magi from Matthew. Okay, well, we'll go over there and we'll, we'll, we'll get back to Luke next week. And, and now this week, we're now in John's gospel. Uh, I, I can assure you that next week, we will have a reading from Luke's gospel that we've been promising, and it'll be Luke chapter four and the start of Jesus's ministry there where he unrolls the scroll. But today, we are in Cana uh, in Galilee, which is, um, which is up in the north of, um, of Israel, Palestine. And we are beside a lake, and we're at a wedding. And the story is completely ridiculous, isn't it? Because you've heard it before, no one's going to say yes. But if you hadn't heard that story before, you would have a different response. One of the hard things, if you've been in church for a while, I don't have to be in church for that long, but we tend to repeat the same stories because they're the good ones, right? And so we get the water into wine, and okay, here we go again. It's the water in the wine, and it's David preaching on the water in the wine. I've heard him do that before. How can we hear something new from Jesus today? Whether you're bored of listening to me or you're bored of listening to the story. My hope and prayer is that as we look at the text together, something new will be illuminated for us by the Holy Spirit. Jesus turns things upside down. He turns things upside down and he does it extravagantly. In John's gospel, this is the start of his ministry. The first thing he's doing is he is at a party. And uh, I don't know if, if you've ever been to a wedding that's gone on for a while. Um, my guess is that some people have been to weddings that have gone on for a while, and maybe by a while it started at lunchtime and it finished at midnight or one in the morning. The kind of wedding we're talking about here is the kind of wedding that goes on for a week. I can't imagine many things that would be worse than a wedding going on for a week. Actually, possibly one thing, which is being on hold to my favorite airline, but that was Advent. Anyway, apart from that, you know, who wants to be at a wedding for a whole week? Some of you like to wear different outfits every time you go out. Imagine how many outfits you'd need to wear. Others of us, I got up this morning and I said, what shall I wear today? Well, I guess I'll put my black shirt on. Uh, so it's quite easy for me. Um, but uh, imagine the planning and the preparation, even as a guest, you'd have to go. Uh, you'd go to the length you'd go to to go to a wedding that was going to go on for a week. Um, and so it was a big thing where families were coming together, a big uh, party, um, perhaps your idea like mine of a nightmare. But anyway, lots of food and wine uh, would be consumed um, over the course of a celebration, which was a massive burden for the bridegroom because culturally, of course, the bridegroom had to pay for it all. So the custom of the day and we, we see this in the reading, and perhaps uh, some things haven't changed, is that the, the best wine is brought out first. 
you know, when you arrive at the wedding and there they are with the champagne and handing you a glass of champagne. And as the day goes on, uh, it will become something that is a lot cheaper. And the theory goes, and this may in some cases be borne out by reality, um, that having had a few glasses of the good stuff, uh, your taste buds um, have, have just left the building, and it doesn't matter what you get given. It's a, a very timeless note there in the Bible, I think. The guests wouldn't notice that it was the cheaper wine that was coming out later. So Jesus and his disciples had been invited to this wedding, and something disastrous happened. I sound like I'm being melodramatic now, or maybe that's just the voice in my head with the speakers when I say something disastrous happened in that the wine ran out. Um, but actually, I'm not being melodramatic. Um, it was disastrous because of the social consequences that, that they never would have lived that down. Being at a wedding and they ran out of wine. It's like the end of the party before it's supposed to end. For the bridegroom, a social disaster that would not only have an impact on him, but on his wife and new family as they were getting root. And so Jesus' mother is there, and she draws this to Jesus' attention. And when she says to him, hey, we haven't, they haven't got enough wine, you should do something about it. His response, um, and these are my words, not the words that we heard from the Bible, but his response was basically, well, it's not my problem, mum, is it? If they haven't bought enough wine. But we read that Mary ignores this and goes over to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you interesting, Jesus' response seems to suggest he's not going to do anything about it, and then she obviously knew that he would. So off he goes to the servants. Uh, he sees six jars of water there. Um, it says there were between 20 and 30 gallons of water in those jars, because they hadn't invented liters in those days, um, and that works out roughly to 725 bottles of wine. Um, if you want to see my calculations, I do have a spreadsheet with this on at home. Um, but it does vary depending on uh, which commentator you use and how big. But let's just say 725 because it's a nice number. This is not just a small amount of wine, you know, enough to keep you going. I went to a, a cafe restaurant in England um, last time I was there, and, uh, and I was with my uncle, and we went in, I said, you know, I'd, I'd love a cup of tea or a coffee. And, uh, and the person there um, said, um, well, actually, um, actually, it was a pub. Uh, it was a pub, That's, and, and, and uh, so we were in this pub, and they serve coffee in pubs in England. I mean, I'm sure they serve coffee in pubs here, I just don't really go to pubs to drink coffee. Uh, but anyway, there we were, that was what was there, and we went in, I went to have a coffee, and well, well actually, we've got a problem with the coffee. She said, so I said, what's the problem? I haven't got any milk. And, uh, and my uncle said, well, there's a shop across the street. Would you like me to go and buy you a pint of milk? And then <laughs> you can make my nephew a coffee. Would you mind, she said. So, so off my uncle went, came back with, with some milk, and, uh, and I had some coffee. Um, but he didn't go and buy 725 liters of milk. You know, he went and bought the smallest amount of milk that would just tide them over till they had their delivery. In this scenario, the, the amount of water Jesus has changed into wine is a ludicrously large amount. 
which is a foretaste of the rest of what we're going to see through the Gospels. Every time Jesus does a miracle, he doesn't just give people what they need. There's always a bit left over. There's always more, which tells us something about Jesus. There's always an invitation for others to join. There's always more. There's always some left over. You won't run out if Jesus is around. So in the loaves and fishes, you get the baskets left over, for example. So there's an abundance of wine, but it's not just a quantity of wine. It was quality. This was good wine. We read in the gospel uh, that the uh, master of ceremonies, the steward, tasted the wine because it's really important to check what you're about to serve. So he tasted the wine to check it was okay, and he noticed how good it was. And he told the bridegroom in verse 10, so here we have the best wine saved till later. It's the opposite way that people did weddings. They start off well and go downhill. A bit like when you start a sermon with a joke and then, and then gradually it tails off. It's kind of how a lot of us preach. Uh, in some churches it starts off quite quietly and gets quite loud at the end and the band come up and make a lot of noise. We tend to start with the big one and, and, and then come into land softly and quietly. The normal order of things have been turned upside down. Impending social disaster becomes the good news story of the year. Jesus makes his point by demonstrating it. He doesn't just use words. He uses miracles to show who he is. And these signs, these miracles, demonstrate something of God's kingdom, his love for us and for all people for all time. That's why there's so much wine. It's not just for the people there. It's left over. And that fills us with hope. Often it takes a sign, doesn't it, to strengthen our faith. It might be um, that at some point you have prayed that the Lord would show you something or give you a sign. We might call it laying out a fleece. You know, what shall I do, Lord? Um, I'm going to give it to you and, and I'm, and I'm going to listen to what you say to me. Or, or maybe when someone's new to faith and they're, and they're thinking about becoming a Christian, they might pray a prayer along the lines of, um, God, if you, if you are real, if you are real, can you show me? I've heard lots of stories uh, of people who their testimony involves them, them saying some kind of a prayer like that, not, a, not an eloquent liturgical uh, Thomas Cranmer written prayer, but just a, if you're real, God, can you show me? Can you prove it to me? Now, we know as Christians, um, and we will get to this when we get to Lent, um, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So, so our job is not to test God, but when we're coming to faith, it's quite common that we will do that. We'll say, okay, I'm, I don't quite believe, Lord. Can you give me a bit more faith? And the Lord answers. Often it takes a sign. It takes a prayer that's been answered to strengthen our faith. In verse 11, it said, Jesus did this changing water into wine, the first of his signs, and revealed his glory. And crucially, his disciples believed him. Because they had seen the miracle, they believed him. They knew what, what was going on here. They knew this was water and that it was turned into wine, new wine. 
there's something about Jesus. He is a man with, who brings with him a breath of fresh air. You know, if the weather outside is miserable, which, I mean, frankly, we do get some interesting weather lately, but if the weather outside looks a bit miserable and you haven't particularly got anywhere to go, sometimes you might decide for yourself it's a good day to start doing some cleaning at home. And so you get out the cleaning stuff and you start doing some cleaning. Maybe um, we were discussing in my life group cable drawers, and it seems that everyone in my life group has organized systems for their cables. I just have a drawer, and everything's just dumped in the drawer. And so I feel that my application from this sermon, apart from anything spiritual, is I need to tidy my cable drawer. It's a mess. Um, but as you start cleaning and in the spring and and, and when the weather's a bit warmer and you open uh, the windows or, or the light comes in, you see the cobwebs and you start trying to deal with them. Uh, it's that, that fresh air. The same fresh air if you find yourself working at home or in an office and you don't go out and then it gets to lunchtime or at some point in the day, someone asks you to go and mail a letter and you're like, great, I have an excuse to get some fresh air. And there's something about walking outside in the fresh air or maybe you're, you're retired and you're staying at home and you're uh, watching online because you don't want to be at church because you're concerned about COVID. And, and then you have to go and put the recycling out. And there's something about just getting outside and the fresh air is different. There's an expression about cobwebs being blown away. And I want to suggest that, that when we talk about the cobwebs being blown away, we get that breath of, of oxygen either into our house or by going outside into the fresh air. Uh, we can be energized. And at the start of the year, we perhaps need the cobwebs to be blown away in our faith. Jesus is like that strong wind that blows and nearly takes your hat off. And if your scarf isn't tied around your neck, your scarf starts wandering away too. He comes and brings us to life. He wakes people up when they're feeling dozy or tired. The life that he brought back into that wedding celebration by not only making more wine, but better wine. And not just a little bit, but 725 bottles of the stuff was like a gust of fresh air sweeping through the party. It's that wow moment that... Jesus will bring, does bring, and can bring into our lives. And it is symbolic, of course. In the Old Testament, abundant wine is a sign of the age of fulfillment. Uh, one commentator suggests that with such a large amount of water being turned into wine, it was a sign that God has drawn near in the person of Jesus, and the promise of abundant blessings was beginning to be fulfilled. What Jesus does makes a statement and says something about who he is. And we're invited to catch hold, to catch hold of something greater, to catch hold of something better, to step out on the windy day and be refreshed by the air, to be woken up that the kingdom of God has come and is here in our midst for us to be a part of. 
But when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life in all its fullness in John 10, 10, I think many of us mishear it. All the words go in one ear and out the other. Jesus didn't say, I've come that you might have life in all its fullness now and again, occasionally, maybe when the bishop visits. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. The Greek word is pleromatos. I don't know why you need to know it, but I love the word pleromatos. It just sounds almost fuller than, than, um, than fullness. Fullness sounds a bit short. Some people will say life and life abundantly. Abundantly, fullness, pleromatos. Jesus came so that we could have life, real life. Life in all its fullness. This sense that the best is yet to come. The best wine is there to look forward to. And yet, the feast has already happened. The wedding has already happened. Jesus has already come and brought something of that new wine to earth. The hope that we look forward to is the abundance of life with God and some of that abundance, the extravagance we can have now. The amazing blessings for the future we can have now too. In Jesus, God's kingdom has come to us so that we might live in it, in the here and now, knowing that the best is yet to come, but the new wine has come. And at the start of this year, I don't know what it is that is holding you back. I know for a lot of people, as I look on a church, for those of you watching online, I get questions, is anybody actually in the church um, because we don't see the congregation? Um, that's deliberate, um, just to, to allow people to come to church without being on camera unless you're at the front. Uh, but yes, we've got about 30 people in church if you're watching at home. And we know that our YouTube page has had, I think, 320 different people have connected with it in the last four weeks. So as a church, we know that most people are connecting but staying away. And it's COVID that's keeping you away. COVID does not need to keep you away from Jesus. It does not need to keep you away from church. It might keep you at home if that's, that's where you feel you need to be. But don't let that keep you away from Jesus. Life in all its fullness should not be on hold. You know, I think what happened when the pandemic started is people said, okay, I'm just going to kind of pause my faith a little bit or I might just put it on the back burner. I just want to encourage you and say, we don't know how long this thing is going on. But Jesus is alive, and he's alive today, whether you can be at a church in person or not. We sang a song uh, at the start of the service called Beautiful Savior, and in the third verse, uh, it says, I long to be where the praise is never ending, where we're countless worshipers. And as I sing that song, that is my prayer, that soon we would see a day where countless worshipers will share one song. Not in rooms around the city, the province, and the world, but in one place. And so, what is holding you back this year from going deeper in faith? You can do it if you're at home. You can do it in the workplace. You can do it out on the street. You can pray. You can read your Bible. You can get stuck into your life groups. 
You can show up to worship, whether it's in person or online. Because this is the Jesus who comes to bring life and life in all its fullness. This is the Jesus who turned water into wine, not just so that we'd have a great story and so that clergy through the ages would have a wonderful thing to preach on at weddings. This is the Jesus who came so that we might have life and life in all its fullness, so that we might get to see that the new wine of the kingdom of God is better than anything we have ever tasted. We're going to sing a song in a minute called Your Kingdom Come, which is um, a song that is a prayer based on the Lord's Prayer and will lead us into us saying the Lord's Prayer as we finish it. I'm going to invite you to stand. Um, And if you feel that today, and if you're at home, you can stand too. Uh, I know you've got comfy sofas and chairs, but stand up where you are. And you might like to just hold your hand out and close your eyes just as a sign of being ready to receive. And I'm just going to pray uh, that the Holy Spirit would come and fall afresh. And for some of us, we need to experience the Holy Spirit with a sense of peace. We're burdened, we're stressed, we're anxious, and we just need to feel peace. For others of us, we're dozy and we've fallen asleep, and we need the Spirit to come like a rushing wind and to bring us to new life. And just to let you know, for me, I would love the Spirit to come and fill me like a rushing wind. Because two years of standing in front of a mostly empty church is exhausting in my spirit. So my prayer for myself, I'm just being honest, is, is that the Lord would just uh, pour his spirit on me. And if I fall, fall over, someone come get me. But it might be that you need to experience peace today. It might, be, it might be that you've lost your joy. And you just need to know that God's joy. It might be that you feel unloved. And you need God to just remind you of how much he loves you. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the miraculous story of water turned into new wine. Lord, even as the miracle gets old, so your truth does not get old and is unchanging. We pray, come Holy Spirit, Come like the rushing wind, like the dove of peace, like the tongues of fire. Would you breathe new life into each and every one of us? Come, Holy Spirit. And so we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven.